630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Here we go, hour two, 630 Chad Inside Sports for this Monday evening. It's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins for one final time. Until the next time I get to come back and sit down in this chair. Reed's back tomorrow. Big show tomorrow. Kelly Rudy will be joining Reed, our uh, weekly analyst, hockey analyst. Of course, he's the analyst for the NHL on Rogers. Also, Sean White, Edmonton Eskimos kicker, will uh, stop by as well. That and much more on 630 Chet Inside Sports tomorrow night with your regular host, Reed Wilkins. Eskimos camp beginning in about uh, three weeks. Yeah, May 20th, first on-field session. Medicals will be May 19th. The Eskimos play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders May 27th uh, at the brick, on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium, and we'll have the game for you. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff, 1.30 is countdown to kickoff. Uh, by the way, we will carry the NHL Conference Finals and Stanley Cup Final, and uh, just uh, stay tuned. Got to get through the second round, uh, and we assume probably in about a week and a half or a little bit, beyond that i think two weeks from now we're definitely will be into the uh into the uh conference finals but 6 30 chad will uh start carrying games and uh, we are looking forward to that so the scoreboard and uh 6 30 chad inside sports is uh well we'll get to that in a moment but uh the tampa bay lightning in a very tight second period have a 2-1 lead after two periods of play over the boston bruins shots on goal pretty uh pretty light uh, only 8-3 in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is turning into a real chippy, chippy affair. Uh, the Bruins with a one-game-to-nothing lead in this series. One other game going on tonight, that is the uh, Vegas Golden Knights in San Jose to play the Sharks after a 7 nothing win by the Knights in Game 1 in Vegas. Game 2 was won by the Sharks. I believe the score was 4-3. to three. Yes, 4-3. Logan Couture had himself a game. He had two goals. Boy, he's a consistent playoff performer. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, he's fun to watch. And this has been a fun series. Uh, Evander Kane will be back in the lineup tonight for the San Jose Sharks after serving a one-game suspension. So the uh, two other series uh, will resume tomorrow in the Eastern Conference. Uh, we'll have the Pittsburgh Penguins at home to the Washington Capitals with that series tied at one, and the Winnipeg Jets at home to the Nashville Predators. That series is tied at one. Major League Baseball, Toronto Blue Jays beginning a road trip. They uh, start a three-game series against the Minnesota Twins. Right now it is uh, two nothing for the Jays in the bottom of the third inning. NBA play tonight. Uh, one game going on late in the second quarter. The Boston Celtics with a 53-42 lead over the Philadelphia 76ers. This is game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal. And the Toronto Raptors will begin game one of their Eastern Conference semifinal uh, tomorrow against, yep, the old nemesis LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, you can text in at 630-630. Uh, Dave, I think uh, Rocky Thompson and Todd Nelson should be behind the bench with Todd. Either one would make an excellent head coach if the Oilers stumble out of the gate early. That's from Leonard. Um, I, you know, Last I that I knew of, Todd Nelson really didn't have an interest in becoming an NHL assistant coach. 
Uh, he's more content in being a, a head coach. And uh, he's still coaching uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins, the top farm club of the Detroit Red Wings in the American Hockey League. Rocky Thompson is an interesting name. Um, quite a accomplished junior coach. Of course, uh, he led the Windsor Spitfires to Memorial Cup last year. Now he's coaching the Chicago Wolves of the American Hockey League. Now, I know that the, uh, the, the, the perception of, well, NHL assistant coach to AHL head coach, um, you know, a lot of guys are content being a head coach in the American Hockey League. It's an important job. It's an important job. So who knows? Trent Yanni's name won't go away. Of course, he has a history with Todd McClellan. Going back to the days in San Jose, has a good reputation of working with defensemen. But other than that, it's a real mystery uh, to know who will really be the assistant coaches or an associate coach with Todd McClellan. Glenn Gullickson's, Gullickson's name is out there uh, as well. Uh, let's switch sports here. Uh, you know, we really enjoy having this uh, this individual on uh, this program have had her on many times. She's a real ambassador, not just for women's sports, but for sports in general. But she's been a, a real trailblazer when it comes to uh, women's rugby in this country, when it comes to uh, the Sevens program. Uh, the former, now former captain of the Canadian Women's National Sevens team, calling it a career uh, early. Jen, it's nice to have you on the show. How are you doing? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, I always think it's a treat to have you on the show because uh, you're, you're always very generous with your time uh, throughout your playing career. And uh, today uh, you announced this is it. This is uh, you. You have announced your retirement officially a little bit early because of injuries. But uh, I guess that's, you know, I don't have to ask you why. We, we know why. But uh, tell me about, uh, I guess, the process that that led you to this decision that you know, hey, you know, I, I'm just not going to belabor the point now. It's just, it's just time to call it career. Yeah, I mean, it was a tough call to make, and um, I had every intention to finish out the the season strong um, and go to World Cup and attend the Commonwealth Games. And I had this big grand plan, and unfortunately, it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to um, because, you know, like you said, due to injuries. Um, but it's you know the injuries have taken a toll on me um, both both physically and and it's and mentally and I think you know I wake up every single day and I feel pain and um, it was it was time to just kind of call it I've been playing with a torn labrum in my hip and with two uh, disc bulges in my neck with um, some bone spurs and um, disc degeneration so um, I'm kind of a mess right now and um, you know I've seen a lot of doctors along the way and asked for their advice and you know the answer I kept getting from them was the only thing that's going to make it better is surgery and um, obviously not putting my body through such intense training and, and competition. Is it a case of you got to tell your heart your head's got to tell your heart Jen no we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I've always been the type of player to play through anything. You know, I've played through, uh, finished a tournament on a broken pelvis. I've, you know, um, played through my really crappy neck um, and through the Rio games and um, dislocated fingers, broken kneecaps, you name it. I've played through it all. Um, And, you know, when you get to my age, um, (laughs) even though I'm still young, but when you get to... When you get close to 30, your mind starts saying, wait a minute, life is bigger than a rugby pitch, and um, and you need to make that hard call before it's too late and your body is at the point of no return. 
Yeah, you're, you're 29 years old, but you have been involved in the program at the at the national level for what 13 years? Is it is is that correct? Yeah, it's like dog dog years, you know. Like yeah. a dog is seven, but really, like they're 49. Yeah, um, that's, right. yes. <laughs> that's that's like rugby. So I may have you know I've played for 13 years, and I and in this world I'm 29 years old. But in reality, I, I feel like you know I'm 70 now, and it's it's just time to move on. <laughs> Jen Kish joining us uh, tonight here on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports, one of the best uh, female rugby players, and, and I think Canadian players, period, in the sport of rugby, announcing her retirement today uh, with, uh, uh, unfortunately, a little bit early. Uh, you're dealing with, uh, as, as you mentioned, uh, you got shoulder and you got hip, hip issues. Uh, but uh, tell me about just when you, when you walked onto the scene 13 years ago, what do you remember about that first day, that first month, going into that first competition? Um, what really was the eye-opener for you? Um, well, 13 years ago, it was pay-to-play. So um, I remember trying to beg my dad to um, try, you know, to pay for a, a tour that was going to cost $3,000. Um, <laughs> but once I got on that tour, um, you know, I remember putting on the jersey and um, it was big. The jersey was like so massive and baggy <laughs> and it didn't fit, but I was so proud to wear it. And th my teammates as well, we were just like, yeah, you know, we got our first Canadian track suit and now we've got like, this big massive jersey that would probably fit our dads, you know, and um, and it was just like such a great experience. And, and fast forward 13 years, now jerseys are tailored to the individual, you know, and now you're not paying to play. You're actually getting money to play. Um, so this generation has been set up so well, and I'm excited to see what they do with a well-funded program now, right? Because they have every tool at their disposable, whereas 13 years ago, um, recovery wasn't really a thing in my career. You know, we didn't have strength and conditioning coaches um, telling you what to do or we weren't being monitored 24-7. We basically showed up on tour for the two weeks or went to the camp and then went back home and carried on our, our day like it was, you know, like every other day. And then again, you'd show up on tour. So, um, yeah, it, it, within 13 years, it has, it has changed enormously. Um, and it, it's great to see. Uh, on Twitter, you posted this. Thank you, family. Thank you, friends. Thank you, teammates. Thank you, staff. Thank you, Canada. You all helped me along the way. It's been a real privilege and honor to wear the jersey. Hashtag forever grateful. Then you go on to say rugby has enhanced my life. How has rugby enhanced your life, Jen? Um, well, you know, growing up, I had really nothing. Um, and I feel like through the sport of rugby, I've gained everything. Um, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world, experience new cultures, um, you know, meet new people. Um, I've, I am who I am today because of the sport of rugby and everybody who was involved along the way. And um, I hope many more people um, join the sport to have the same experience that I've been given and that, that I've had, right? Um, it's you know you know it, it's it's I am really really grateful for what rugby has given me and and my main focus right now is to give back to rugby in any way I possibly can. We're uh, speaking with uh, former rugby sevens uh, captain Jen Kish here on six thirty Chet Inside Sports announcing her retirement today from the sport of rugby after a thirteen year career. Um, 
I, I guess what's what's when you're off the pitch, what's the what's the biggest satisfaction that you have, um, whether it's dealing with fans or, or, or traveling or what's the biggest thing that I think or that you think you're going to you're going to really cherish the most? Um, you know, I think one of the, one of my fondest memories um, was actually even before a match took place and it was watching my teammates put on the jersey. Um, because you always got the same reactions and the pride. You could see it just, you know, spewing from them of how excited they were to run out and represent their country. Um, You know, to also to play with them and, you know, to inspire people around us um, has also been um, huge. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, There's a lot of things in rugby that I'll miss. Um, But the thing about rugby is that, you know, I've developed teammates, but I've also developed friendships along the way, and those are bonds that will never be broken. And I'm so grateful to to have those relationships. And, you know, my coach, um, you know, him and I will probably be friends for a long time, um, long after after the career, um, because that's just kind of the relationships you get in rugby. You've had a lot of success in your international career. You uh, won a silver medal at the 2013 Rugby uh, World Cup Sevens, a gold at the 2015 Pan American Games, and then the bronze at the uh, Olympics in 2016 in Rio. Um, I, I would guess that might the, the the last accomplishment might be your highest or, or, or most favorite accomplishment. But I'll ask you. Uh, and I imagine everyone was different as well, but. Uh, uh, I, you know what? What really comes to mind to you when you when you look at uh, look at your past accomplishments here? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I've had the opportunity to be part of many historic moments in our sport um, and help tr- uh, trailblaze that with my teammates. Um, if you know, if I had to pick one one memory that will always stand out, it, it is real um, and winning a bronze at the Olympics because that was a childhood dream of mine to go to the Olympics. Um, and I got to do it with some of my best friends and in front of my dad, who's always been my supporter and who has, you know, gone the distance just so I could have the opportunity to play sports. Um, and, you know, everything in between that also um, with everything that we've done has also been, you know, icing on the cake. Um, it's just it's great to see where rugby has gone and where it's going. And, um, you know, we have some great development coming up. And I'm excited to see uh, what they bring and what kind of legacy they um, they develop and what legacy, you know, and them continuing on our legacy that we started in that program as well. So after, I mean, I'm sure the first the first order of business in retirement is get healthy, get your body right, uh, so you can go on and uh, live a, a, a good quality life. So after you you're all healthy, um, I guess what are some of the things that you want to do, Jen, uh, in retirement? Uh, have you thought that far yet? Uh, yeah, I. Um... <laughs> You know, if you ask any of my teammates, like, well, what do they want to do? A lot of us say, oh, I don't know. We'll figure it out when it comes. Um, I'm not one of those athletes. I knew that what I wanted to do um, after rugby because I was doing it even before we went professional in rugby. I'm a personal trainer. Um, I'm super passionate about helping other people reach their fitness goals. Um, so that's what I'll be doing. Um, so if you're looking for trainer people, call me up because I'm a trainer. Um <laughs> So uh, I'm doing that, and then obviously I do some speaking 
speaking engagements. I want to keep inspiring people um, to like live their life to the fullest, to join sport or you know if not rugby, um, and then also give back to rugby. So I'm also coaching with uh, coaching my club side and and helping them uh, get to uh, a prem level club. Well, good stuff. Uh, you've always been uh, so gracious with your time on this show and whenever we, uh, we've we needed you, um, especially at the Olympics in Rio, but 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 always, Jen, and you're a real great ambassador uh, for the sport of rugby and just for sport in general in this country and in this city. So uh, heal up, enjoy retirement. Thank you so much, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on the show again. Thanks for having me. It's always a great time. Jen Kish, uh, former... Canadian women's rugby sevens captain. Uh, Yeah, the resume is impressive. Uh, Silver medal at the 2013 Rugby World Cup sevens. Gold at the 2015 Pan American Games. uh, Silver medal in the Olympics in 2016 in Rio. And unfortunately, it's just just injuries that have really caused her to retire. Uh, Last May at the Langford sevens, two slip discs in her neck from an injury. Um, So that's not... uh, and that's going back to 2016. So she's been dealing with a lot of stuff here. Uh, so she's 29 years old. She's got a lot of life ahead of her. She's got a good head on her shoulders. And it's time to heal those shoulders and the rest of her body. So uh, congratulations to uh, Edmonton's own Jen Kish. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Twenty-four. Welcome back to the program. Six thirty. Chat Inside Sports brought to you by Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at NorthChickenYEG.com. Second period of play. Sorry, third period of play, that is. Tampa Bay Lightning, Boston Bruins, round two, game two of their Eastern Conference Series. And right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2-1 to one lead. Much tighter game than we saw in the first four periods of this series. Last two periods in a bit, well, period in a, almost a period and a half here. It's been a much more tighter checking game. And uh, about a scrum breaks out every, I don't know, second, third whistle. So that's just the way it goes. Uh, later on tonight, Vegas Golden Knights take on the San Jose Sharks at the Shark Tank, Game Two, Round or Game Three, Round Two of their Western Conference Series. Uh, two other series uh, resume tomorrow. Pittsburgh Penguins at home to the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference. That series tied at one. And what a series! Jets and Predators. That series is tied at one. A couple of dandy games, especially yesterday. That was a wild game. 5-4 in overtime. Kevin Fiala with the uh, winning goal for the Predators in double overtime. Mark Shifley is having a playoff. And a lot of concern about him. Oh, my goodness, he's hurt. How effective is he, is he going to be? He's been hurt twice this season. Uh, upper body injury. I think it's a shoulder. And uh, he has eight goals in the playoffs. He's only leading the Stanley Cup playoffs in goals. So it's been a fun series. And... Could this be a homer series? I mean, both environments are just so hostile. In uh, Nashville, in uh, Winnipeg, going to be a great environment uh, down at the uh, MTS place in uh, Bell MTS place in Winnipeg. 
and um, all the setup they have for fans. I mean, I know that area pretty well with my travels with the Edmonton Eskimos uh, for games in Winnipeg. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun, no doubt about that. WHL uh, tonight, there's one game that is underway right now. It's Game 6, Eastern Conference Final. Leftbridge Hurricanes at home to the Swift Current Broncos at 0-0 midway through the first. A win by the Broncos, and they'll punch their ticket into the WHL Final. Everett Silvertips will take on the Tri-City Americans uh, just after 8 o'clock. The Tips can win uh, with a, uh, or advance with a win in Game number 6. Uh, NBA, or the uh, Major Leagues of Baseball tonight, We'll get to the NBA in a moment. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, they're up 5-0 now on the Minnesota Twins in the top of the fourth inning. Uh, the Jays coming off a pretty disappointing homestand uh, where they only won three of ten games on the homestand. At halftime in Boston in the NBA, the Celtics with a 56-45 lead on the Philadelphia 76ers in Game 1 of their Eastern Conference semifinal. The Raptors will play Game 1 of their Eastern Conference semifinal tomorrow against LeBron James. James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I kind of chuckled earlier today when I was reading the comments of LeBron James after uh, his Cavaliers beat the Indiana Pacers yesterday in seven games and seven tough games. And LeBron James said, I'm really tired. I just want to go home. I mean, he's going to be 34 at the end of the year. He's still a genetic freak and an excellent athlete, maybe the best player in the game uh, at clutch time. But yeah, I agree with Dwayne Casey and the head coach of the Raps and Kyle Lowry, their all-star guard. He's not tired. He's probably tired, but it's not like he's going to fold like a cheap tent, tent and walk away. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers have beaten the Toronto Raptors twice in the last two years in the playoffs. So uh, the Raptors might be the number one seed, but they got a lot to prove against the Cleveland Cavaliers. It'd be an interesting series. you got to think, if the Raptors are going to beat the Cavaliers and LeBron James this is the year to do it. News is next from the 6.30 Chad 24-Hour News Center. When we come back, we'll talk uh, U of A Golden Bears football. Keep you updated on the hockey tonight. That much more. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. Campbell in for Wilkins. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chad. This has been a really different sort of hockey game for the Boston Bruins tonight as it's 7.33. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed is back on the show tomorrow after a, a week off. So looking forward to having Reed back in the big chair. But the Bruins have 17 shots on goal. They had eight shots on goal in the first period. In fact, they went, I think, about half of the game. No, they went more than that. They went about 14 minutes into the uh, into the third or into the first period without registering a shot on goal, then they got the final eight shots of the period. Well, since then, they've only got nine shots on goal, and the Tampa Bay Lightning they've been able to register uh, seventeen shots. So the Bruins all of a sudden are not getting a lot of love in front of the net, and the Lightning have done a good job of boxing them out. And right now, the Lightning are on the power play, two one, the lead for the Bolts in the third period of play with just under nine minutes to go. In the line of David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, they have 41 points in the playoffs so far combined. Now, that's wins. That's in the wins. In the losses, they don't have a point. So there's your game plan. Pretty simple, isn't it? 
they do have a couple of points tonight. Uh, Bergeron and Marchand assisted on Charlie McAvoy's first goal of the playoffs. So that trend would end if the uh, Bruins lose tonight. But it's a tight hockey game in Tampa Bay. 2-1 for the Lightning over the Bruins. Well, the uh, U of A Golden Bears had a pretty decent year last year. 3-5. and five. So the record not not great. One of their better seasons, though. I mean, they've had many 0-8 years, 1-7 years, 2-6 years. Um, they finally made the playoffs last year. Uh, they lost in the first round, or in the opening round. So uh, a U of A Golden Bears football season is upon us, sort of. First game won't be until August 31st against the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. But uh, spring cap just happened over the weekend. And to talk about it is Chris Morris, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team. Chris, nice to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate being on. So the uh, uh, finished up with the uh, green versus gold scrimmage yesterday. Uh, I guess overall, uh, tell me how the uh, last few days uh, uh, went for spring camp and uh, how satisfied or unsatisfied you are, I guess. You know, really satisfied. We have a good, good group of, uh, of returning players. And, you know, a lot of them played. A lot of them didn't play for whatever reasons. We had a couple of guys get, get a little bit nicked up early in the camp. And, you know, we got to see some really young kids play. And, uh, you know, we feel real good with both. We feel good with our veteran kids coming back. And we felt very, very encouraged with some of the young players that we saw there. It was, uh, it was a very good weekend for us. Now, when you talk about the, the returning players, uh, approximately – how much of your roster from last year are, are, are going to be turned over and, and you'll have those guys this year? Well, you know, we lost four starters so far. Now, with Mark and Justin and some other guys that are looking in the draft and all that, like, it could be a few more, but to lose four starters isn't a terrible thing for a, for a university program. And uh, especially considering the fact that, you know, some of, the, some of the key positions we have returning players who are going to, we, we anticipate playing at a very high level for us. So we feel very good about the, the, returning, sorry, the returning cohort of players we have, and uh, we think it's going to be a good year next year. Yeah, I mean, tell me about building off of uh, what was a, a pretty decent season for you. In, in fact, you, you earned a postseason berth. Uh, you had a 3-5 and five record, um, and that's something to be proud of i think and and obviously you want to get better than a three and five record but when you look back at last season what can you build off of uh from a general standpoint going into in, into this campaign which begins at the end of august i think just the confidence in themselves i think the kids at the beginning of the year last year kind of thought we might have a chance to be decent and then i think by the end they knew they were pretty good and i think to, to continue and lead into this season with knowing that they're a pretty good football team and that really we can beat anybody in the country. I think that's a that's a, that's a good feeling to have, and something that's been you know absent from this program for decades, right? Where it's like, okay, we can beat anybody. So it's it's really really encouraging from from my standpoint to see the kids and watch them walk around with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more swagger, and, and see that that you know that pep in their step. And I think that's going to serve us very well going forward. Chris Morris joining, joining us tonight here on 6.30 Chet Inside Sports, head coach of the U of A Golden Bears uh, football program. They just completed their uh, spring camp yesterday, and they will begin the Canada West season on August 31st against the uh, University of Saskatchewan Huskies. Now, um, another big part of your success last year was uh, Hick Creighton Award winner and an all-around good guy and a great football player in Ed Elnicki, uh, who's moving on, uh, signed with the Ottawa Red Blacks this year, so we obviously wish him all the best, but... Um, 
you know, I, th that is a bit of a void, obviously. Um, that might be a bit of an understatement. But uh, first, when you reflect back on Elnicki's year, uh, I guess what comes to mind and, and what's the process and I guess, uh, or the mindset in trying to replace him? You know, just Ed's, Ed's consistency, you know, his ability to run the ball so physically at defenses, you know, by the third, fourth quarter, people didn't really want much to do with him anymore. Like the, the defenses were sort of flinching as he'd come through. And that's, uh, that's something that's hard to replace. Like we had a physical offensive line, we had some receivers that blocked very well, and we had him sort of, sort of carrying the flag forward. So that, the physicality of our offense and, and whoever replaces them, you know, it's going to be a different kid. It's going to be, they're going to have a different skill set. They're going to have a different identity and all those things. So we feel we're still going to be very, very good up front. Um, we still want to be able to establish our line of scrimmage and run the ball. We, we feel we'll be able to pass it even better next year with Brad, a little bit more experience going into the year. And really the way he, the way he ended the year, we felt Brad Baker was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So we think we're going to be able to do both, but I think the moving forward with us replacing Ed, you know, whoever takes that spot, and we have some talented kids vying for that spot, is going to have to sort of write their own story as to how they're going to how they're going to approach that position. We're not going to get another Ed Elnicki to, to say that you know we're going to be able to replace Ed would be very disrespectful, you know, to the kind of kid he was and to the, to the impact he had in our program. But you know, someone's going to take that spot, and, and what they do with it is you know a story to be told. So yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, let's talk about Mark Cordy, and he had a had a pro day uh, here in Edmonton last month, I believe, and uh, earlier this month, and uh, that was coming off a CFL Combine uh, performance, and now he's been uh, uh, he's been signed by the Jets of the NFL and the Giants, the New York Giants, so the two New York teams, the Jets and the Giants, to attend their uh, their uh, rookie mini camp. So. Um, I guess, what does that say about Mark, and what does that say about the growth of the program? Yeah, I think for Mark in particular, like his athleticism and, and that, like his, he came, like I think Mark was 230 pounds his first year when he started with us. And, you know, he was right out of high school, and he's gradually put the weight on and, you know, bought into our strength and conditioning program and worked hard with our strength coach, Smith Wright, and, and done all the right things. So you, you look at Mark and his progression as a player, it's, it's a great thing for him as an individual, but it also really showcases where, you know, where we are as a program and what we can do with kids who come to us. And for us, having someone like that, and, and I honestly think Mark Corday is an NFL player. I think he's going to be in the NFL, and you know, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful that when he goes down to the, even this first minicamp he's going to go to, someone's going to say, look, wait, this is a guy we haven't, you know, we didn't know this kid was this quick and this good and this strong, and they're going to sign him to a contract. So I anticipate him playing down south next year, and I, you know, I think for us as a program, when you look at that and you look at, you know, him and then, you know, obviously Justin Lawrence, you know, another fabulous offensive lineman that's coming out of our program and, you know, Tyler Henry last year and Ed Nicky last year and Jimmy Ralph being part of our program. Like we're, we're starting to really put forward some outstanding players into professional football. And I think that was void for a while. Like there were some issues, like things just, things like that just weren't happening for, for several years at U of A. So we're very, very encouraged with that moving forward. We think that it's just the start of things because, we think the stables are very full right now with some really, really good players. Yeah, well, what's that like for you to 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 see the the results that have you know that you've enjoyed the last year or two with uh, you know you, with, with Mark Cordy and and with Ed Elnicki and you mentioned Justin Lawrence and just just overall when you look at the program from when you took over the job a few years ago to to now when you kind of you know sit back in your quiet moments and think about. The, the the really really tough times to where you are now, and I know you want to get better than where you were last year. But but uh, what really comes to the forefront? Well, I think our I, and I I tell a story 
to my, to my staff, told staff, remember the staff the other day, like, I remember driving home after the last game in my first year there. We played Manitoba, and they beat us, like, 60-3 or something on our home field. And there, there were, there was one or two matchups on the entire field which we even had a chance of winning. And it wasn't because the kids weren't working hard, and it wasn't because the kids weren't trying. It, it wasn't because of any of those things. We just weren't, we weren't athletic enough, and we weren't old enough and strong enough and physical enough to win those matchups. So to watch the work the kids have put in over the last five years here to get to the point where, you know, we feel in any game we're playing in Canada West right now, we're winning more than our fair uh, share of matchups on the field. It's very gratifying to watch that. And I think, Dave, if you, if you combine that with the fact that, like, we have more academic all Canadians than anybody. Like, we, we graduate tremendous kids from this program and the leadership skills they leave with, they come back and talk about and the the rate of graduation and the quality of kids we're producing, I'm ecstatic. Like, that's why I took the job. I wanted to take the job. You know, I, like, I've won football games before. And that's, that's a big, big part of pro football. To me, creating a program here was of paramount importance. Like, we needed a program here for these kids in Edmonton and for Northern Alberta kids to come to and be a part of and stretch them and push them and encourage them to be the best they can be on and off the field and create some great citizens that are also great football players. And I just, I look at the journey we've gone down with myself and my staff and, and just building those blocks and just moving forward with it. And the, the former captains that come back and talk to us, like I'm, I'm really, really happy with where we are. We're, we're going to be more successful on the field moving forward here. We have been, like last year we turned the corner, I feel, a little bit, and I think that's going to just continue forward. We had the best spring camp I've had here. Just the level of athletes on the field is not even recognizable from where we were. If you look at the the whole share of them compared to, you know, we had some flashes of brilliance in previous years, but we really are, are, are a pretty well-rounded, deep team now. And you combine that with some of the success we're having off the field, Dave, and I, like, I'm... I couldn't be happier. I really feel we're in a good spot, and now it's time to, you know, we talk about growth, we talk about service, but excellence on the field is something, you know, people are very happy with what we've done. We're not. We, we know what we can do. We know we can continue building this thing more and, and be, become something formidable on the field for other people to play against, and we're excited for that. No doubt, and uh, the season is four months away, but I know, Chris, uh, you'll probably be very busy in those four months, so uh, we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and uh, telling us about spring camp, and uh, and we look ahead to the season in four months, and uh, we look forward to it. So thanks, Chris, and uh, keep grinding. Thanks very much. All right, that's uh, U of A Golden Bears football coach Chris Morris. Uh, spring camp ended yesterday with the green versus gold game. Camp started on Thursday, so now it's uh, time to set the roster uh, between now and the start of the regular season for the Canada West. That will be on August 31st for the U of A Golden Bears as they will take on the uh, Saskatchewan Husky. CFL draft is on Thursday. This very program will be down at Commonwealth Stadium as the Eskimos will have the sixth overall pick in the draft and the draft will begin at 6 o'clock. Montreal Alouettes have the first overall pick and GM Cavis Reed is open to trading that pick. Uh, Montreal currently holds the number one pick but Reed says he's received inquiries from other clubs about the selection. Reed added the Alouettes have narrowed down their potential choices to five prospects including UConn offensive line Trey Rutherford and Central Michigan receiver Mark Chapman. However, Reed said he entertained any offers he felt would improve the Alouettes, and uh, yeah, because the Alouettes were three and fifteen last year, they haven't made the playoffs since the 2014 season, and they have a new head coach, uh, former NFL coach Mike Sherman, and they do not have a quarterback of uh, any capable ability, other than I guess Drew Willie, who has CFL experience. Um, his pedigree, we know 
kind of flamed out in uh, Winnipeg, didn't pan out in Toronto, now is uh, probably the number one choice to take over the reins. But then there's, you know, there's some other there's some other player or quarterbacks there as well. So Josh Freeman, former NFL player, who had some success with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As far as what the what the draft. Uh, holds for the Edmonton Eskimos, it's really hard to predict the CFL draft. You know, and I think there will be good players. There are several prospects, including Mark Cordy, who have signed uh, NFL rookie camp deals. And usually that doesn't always work out, for the most part. Um, But it's just forecasting for CFL general managers, it's forecasting which of those players might be made available or not. I mean, those camps don't begin until this weekend. And usually the uh, drafts are, you know, the CFL draft, there's more time between the NFL draft and the CFL draft. But because the CFL draft, the week has moved up, uh, the season has moved up by a week because it's a 21-week schedule, three bye weeks. Now the draft moves up. So the NFL draft was only last week, last Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's hard to forecast. What do the Eskimos do? There are a lot of quality offensive linemen. But again, those offensive linemen have some NFL deals. Not all of them are going to pan out. And if you're Brock Sunderland, what do you do? Well, Brock Sunderland showed it last year that he's not necessarily enamored, or you know, he won't he won't go by the traditional rule of an of a CFL draft. If there's a quality offensive lineman on the board in the first round, you take him. You know, and teams still do, but Brock Sunderland is going to take the best player available. That's why when he took Nate Bahar, everyone was a bit surprised by that, including yours truly. But he said, "Look, I'm going to take the best player available at that spot." Uh, I think a real possibility, what if the Eskimos trade out of the first round to collect the pick in the second and third round? Because they don't have a second or third round pick. They have eight picks in total. But after the first round, they don't pick until round four. That's a long time to wait. So we'll see what happens. But the CFL draft is Thursday, 6 o'clock Edmonton time, and 6.30 Chet Insight Sports will be broadcasting live uh, from the CFL draft. Uh, So lots of coverage with uh, Morley Scott, yours truly, uh, here from uh, likely, pretty sure, uh, Brock Sunderland as well, the Eskimos GM, and uh, plus many other features on 6.30 Chet Insight Sports on Thursday. Looking forward to it. Back to wrap up the show. We'll give you a Stanley Cup update here following the break. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Seven fifty-two as we wrap up 630 Chad Inside Sports. Here is a Stanley Cup update. Late stages in Tampa Bay. Bruins turn the puck over. Here's point far circle. It's fired. They score. Palat picked the top near corner after the Bruins misconnected on a pass at the blue line. 3-1 Lightning. They score off the draw. Brad Martian able to sneak a wrister just by Vasilevsky at the far post. And it might have been deflected out in front. And Krug was the guy who fired it in. My mistake, far side. The Bruins within one. So 3-2 on a goal from Andre Palat, his second of the game. And then Tori Krug with his third of the game. 
So 3-2 is the score, but the comeback, unfortunately, will fall short for the Boston Bruins. Over the line, left side now, Krug, near circle, wrister blocked. 30 seconds left, given away. Here's Point, around a check, circling out the center ice. And he fires into the empty net, he scores. With 25 seconds remaining, it's 4-2 Lightning. And that's the final score. Braden Point, his second goal of the playoffs. And 1-1 now is the series, as game number three will be on Wednesday night back in Boston. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so in San Jose, it'll be game three of the Western Conference Round 2 series between the the, uh, San Jose Sharks and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights series tied at one. Peter DeBoer of the San Jose Sharks, the head coach, has this. Playoff thing. hockey is about which team can uh, dictate or, or impose their game on the other team for long, longer stretches. So they did that to us in game one. We did that to them in game two. You know, that's that's got to be the goal here in game three. Should be a good game. So that's Peter DeBoer talking about just the tactics of playoff hockey, how game to game things are really a chess match. You know, one team's trying to get the edge over the other. Oh, by the way, 21 years ago, this is what happened. forget Todd Marchant the winning goal in overtime of game 7 of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs over the Dallas Stars one of the biggest upsets in Stanley Cup playoff history and one of the most memorable goals in Oilers playoff history and then the Oilers would go along to lose uh, to the Colorado Avalanche in the next round but uh, Curtis Joseph making that that insane save off of Joe Neuendijk down and out and dove across got his glove on the shot uh, from Joe Neuendijk, and the Oilers uh, would go on to win the series moments later with uh, Todd Marchant scoring the winning goal. Uh, some changes in Toronto as uh, Lou Lamorello is out as general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but uh, the contributions not ignored by team president Brendan Shanahan over the last three years. I mean, we were an organization um, that that was looking to build, um, you know, the cultural uh, foundations that he laid, his expertise, the mentorship that he's provided. Um, you know, as I said before, I have the utmost respect for Lou, and he has he's earned that throughout the hockey world. So, part of the, the uh, three-year plan, anyway, uh, for the Leafs to have Lamorello stay on as GM for three years. Now he's moved into a senior advisor role for the next four years. He's seventy-six years old, so. There you go. So it's time to get younger, time to promote someone else from within, and that's what the Leafs are going to likely do. Kyle Dubas probably is the number one candidate who's uh, an analytics whiz and has been in the system for a long, long time. Blue Jays up 6-3 on the Minnesota Twins. They're in the top of the sixth inning in the Western Hockey League tonight. It is 1-0 Leftbridge over the Swift Current Broncos after one period of play. A win by the Broncos. They will advance to the WHL final. Still to come tonight, Everett Silvertips can advance with a win over the Tri-City Americans. Reed Wilkins is back in the big chair tomorrow. Thank you so much, been a lot of fun filling in for Wilkie. For studio producer Dustin Kaufman, I'm Dave Campbell. Have a great evening, everyone. Good night. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.